What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. Special edition of the podcast today. We're going to be joined by the head coach of the Memphis Baseball Tigers, Darren Shimrock. Coach Shimrock is just an awesome coach, great for the university. He's going to be joining the podcast today to talk about his Tigers team, to be talking about last season, looking ahead to next season. He's even going to give it a little insight on his thoughts on paying the third assistant. And also, we talked about Sandlot 901. I know a lot of you guys have heard about Sandlot 901. We're going to be getting away on Sandlot 901 next Wednesday at 4 o'clock from Gigliano Field right there on Mount Mariah Road here in Memphis, Tennessee. I'll be there, be doing play-by-play, doing a lot of great things. But first and foremost, before we get to any of this baseball talk with Coach Rock, We always, always have a very special message from our sponsors. They're wonderful people wanting to have some friends over to watch the game but don't have enough space. Wish you had an open floor plan so you can pair your game day chili in the kitchen. Watch overtime on the living room TV. If you answered yes, it's your time to call John Marion and Haltzman at Century 21. They are licensed realtors with years of experience who can help you find the perfect home. You will be game day ready in absolutely no time. Call John Marion and Anna directly at 731-225-5655 or call their office at 731-668-7700. Century 21 is located at... 620 Old Hickory Boulevard in Jackson, Tennessee. Next Old Hickory Steakhouse, each office independently owned and operated. So go give them a check out. I always share their stuff on the Facebook page. So be sure you click on John Murray's Facebook link there. He's got a lot of beautiful homes there in the Jackson, Tennessee. I'm your host, Mitch Davis of the Mitch Davis Show. You can find me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, or like the Facebook page of the Mitch Davis Show. Find the podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcast needs. You know, you got it on Apple and Spotify and all these other good things. You just simply type in the Mitch Davis Show. Make sure you like and subscribe to that as well. I want to thank you all for tuning in to the podcast. And next up, we will welcome Coach Shimrock on the podcast. We are joined by Coach Rock of the Memphis Tigers. Coach Rock, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on. It means a lot to us. Your Tigers, talk about last season a little bit. You failed to reach 30 wins, but you got to the AAC tournament. How do you take some of those negatives and turn them into positives heading into 2020? Well, you know, you always you always look back and reflect and evaluate and you, and you try to address your shortcomings. Uh, some of the things I think that went very well is is the we set a pretty good climate in our locker room with that that group of nine seniors um, did a good job of, of you know, we, we, we kind of dove into some different areas of the mental game training that we've never done before here and created a footprint, I think, for, for guys to follow. Uh, we were, you know, we were a little bit bitten by the injury bug. We, we lost five players that I think would have made pretty good impacts and pretty good, you know, two of them on the mound that uh, that were very highly recruited that um, – Junior college guys that you know we expected to come in, and we got a total of nine innings out of the two between the two guys. So, it, you know that that left us. That made everybody else had to kind of bump up a level. Now, what you hope happens is uh, some experiences, some guys got on the mound uh, will will help in in this year's club. Um, most of the times in college baseball and any level of baseball, it's always going to hinge on pitching and defense. We were we were we were an adequate and a very experienced offensive team. Um, and and we were just a little bit, a little bit under 
undermanned on the pitching side. And, and so you had to win games different ways. You had to win games with big innings, and you had to win games with big numbers on the board. And uh, uh, that's it's hard to, you know, you can win your share of games, but it's hard to get into the championship realm in that way. Most of the teams you say that get into the championship realm do it on the mound. Let's talk about Hunter Goodman. Hunter Goodman has had a complete tear this summer. He had a tear last season as a freshman. He's had, what, five home runs, I think, in summer ball. Talk about Hunter Goodman heading into next year because I know a lot of Tiger fans are saying Hunter Goodman's the future of Memphis baseball, at least for the next two years before it goes pro. Let's talk about Hunter Goodman for a little bit. Well, you know, the what we got to make sure we do is we, we keep people around Hunter to protect him, and he had very good protection last year. Uh, early in the season, you know, we had we had some some upperclassmen in front of him and behind him. Uh, one of the one of the phenomenal things that happened with as Hunter's success started unfolding was the year that Colton Neal had in the two hole in front of him. Um, and it, Colton was experienced enough and smart enough to know that hey, they're not going to walk me. They're going to they're going to challenge me, and, and so I, he you know it, it helped his year, and then the. The, the emergence of, and what Kyle Olette did the second half of the year hitting behind Hunter uh, provided that, that kind of that bookend type thing that you see surrounding good hitters, and you see it at the major league level too. Um, and so those are keys for Hunter, and, and uh, that'll be the, the big thing with Hunter moving forward is, is what, who emerges in those spots to hit before him and after him. We just happened to mention two seniors that we lost. So... The big challenge will be developing those other guys. Hunter has a uh, a mentality and a knack for relishing in RBI moments, um, and, and that RBI moment that comes to a hitter is is probably the single most uh, mentally tough moment to have. A lot of guys can stand in a cage and just hit, 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 and then when that RBI moment comes or that game defining moment comes, they they not that they uh, are not prepared for it. They are prepared for it. They they may not be ready for it mentally. They they become they try to become somebody different. They try to uh, put more pressure on themselves. It, it creates a little bit of a, a logjam mentally. Um, Hunter has no blocks mentally and has a desire and a hunger to hit. Uh, he does have good bat speed. We have a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys out there that have good bat speed and exit velocity. That don't do what Hunter does, so it's not all physical tools. It's a mental uh, approach that uh, he loves the moment, and and uh, if he, you're seeing it continue in the Cape, that he has that knack of just understanding sequencing. Part of it is how guys are attacking him in RBI moments, but it's the mental capacity that he has to attack those moments, and and he swings a lot, and and uh, some people. You know, so guys that swing a lot, the, the strikeout volume is high. Uh, people go, man, he strikes out too much. Let's tone down the strikeouts. I say, no way. Let's keep swinging. Um, uh, and, and I don't, you know, really worry about Hunter's on-base percentage. I look more of his RBIs. I mean, that so different factors and different numbers you attach to different types of guys in your lineup. Coach, you mentioned Kyle Lett and a couple other guys you've lost. you got 14 newcomers coming in. How do you prepare these guys to come out here and play this upcoming season? Because well, I know it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's you know? hard. It's hard. Actually, it's going to be, end up being like 18 newcomers with four extra, you know, or 17 with four more junior college guys coming uh, later in the summer. But uh, and, and, and you go through this with certain years. Uh, this, this class coming in happens to have 10 freshmen. 
that were all pretty highly recruited, and then like we mentioned, probably seven junior college transfers when the dust settles by the end of the summer, and and uh, we'll mold them the same way. We'll take the first five or six weeks that they're all here together, uh, the basically the month of September, and then shortly into October, and we'll get their skills and their bodies ready. So it's skill work and lift and strength and conditioning. The team starts getting to know each other that month. The highlight is is uh, a, you know getting them adjusted to what working out at this level is, and then we'll start the, the process of full team practice on the field, which incorporates a lot of scrimmages and a lot of evaluation. Uh, we've got a little jump start on this thing though because we've uh, we've done something that a lot of programs have been doing for five or six years now. This is the first time we've been able to do it at Memphis, and that's bringing a group of guys in early. And uh, like I said, there's five or six schools in our league that have been doing this for five or six years. But basically, you bring them in, you put them in a class, second term of summer session. They get time with your strength coach. They get time uh, taking a class. They learn what study hall is. They, li they live in the dorm. Uh, they get a lot of the things that hit a freshman right in the side of the face in September and knock them to their knees. They get a lot of that done now. And so now, the developmental process hopefully can start sooner with those guys. Um, most freshmen at this level, it, it's very difficult for them to come in and compete. And and I say compete for a job, but it's difficult for a freshman to come in and be who they were in high school or be who they were when we recruited them and evaluate them. When we recruited them and evaluate them, they were the best player on that team at that time, whether it's a travel ball team, a high school team, or whatever. And they come here and they look around the locker room and there's guys that are 22 years old and they're 18. And they go, I've never played against guys four years older. Most of them never have. And so that's all a new entity to them. This is going to hopefully expedite that process. And and uh, I'm very, very excited with just we're, we're going into our second week of it now. And, and the changes already in four or five days with these guys is phenomenal. Could you mention a little bit about the evaluation process? You had Alex Smith drafted by the Kansas City Royals, second guy in the second guy in a row that's been drafted by the Kansas City yeah. organization. Jonathan Bolin the year before that, and now Alex Smith. Talk about that developmental process, and what do you tell recruits saying, "Hey, look, I mean, Jonathan Bolin's tearing it up right now in Lexington hey, with the Lexington well, Legends." Well, it's uh, you know Jonathan was a was not a. A really, really, really high, highly recruited guy. Uh, had, he really didn't get any pro attention out of high school. Was a three-sport guy: basketball, baseball, football. Played three sports, so never really got to go in the weight room diligently uh, for training. The training for one sport until he got here, and it just exploded on the scene. Um, and then during the process of somebody that goes as high as he went, you know, he got evaluated by all 32 clubs last year and so in that process while that scout's watching John Bolin he's also making notes on on other players in your program and then that so it helped Alex Smith uh, really what a cool story it is with Alex Smith you know high school center fielder that pitched three innings his senior year in high school and we brought him here he was a kind of a dual sport actually spent three or four weeks in football before in fall camp as a freshman, as a as the fifth string quarterback, uh, and behind a guy named Paxton Lynch, and, and and countless others, and then he and we we were aware we were gonna we were gonna be a dual sport guy. He came in and said, "I want to go baseball full time." So we started the process, um, 
the fall of his freshman year, basically I sat Alex down and went, look, we think you have a chance to pitch at a high level. And he said, coach, I threw three innings in high school. Um, his high school coach happened to be a former player of mine and, and basically said, I think it's in there with this kid. I could never take him out of center field and put him on the mound because we were just so limited position-wise. And so we started the process then of building him. And, and uh, you saw glimpses of it last year. The big change that Alex made this year is he, he, it took him four years to get a feel for the position and be in the zone consistently. And that's that's uh, uh, and he's got the the body and the frame and the arm strength to to go in that bullpen and I think you know even elevate obviously from where he was this year where he's a a power power lefty you know, that's got you know that, that he may throw 96 97 someday uh, so yeah two years in a row Kansas City Royals they, they get to stay in the Royal Blue and and uh, they're both doing very well in the, in the Royals organization. Coach, you mentioned football. I'm going to ask you this question here. How do you guys kind of feed into each other? I know football with Mike Norvell is big into everybody. Penny Hardaway now with basketball. How does baseball feed off that energy and feed off that passion that the Tiger Nation has? Well, the big thing is, uh, you know, we don't just recruit what you say locally. You know, within the 50-mile radius, we, we're into Chicago. We're into Dallas, Texas. We're, you know, we, we, we're kind of going to pockets of everywhere, but – what those two sports have done is the the M Leaping Tiger logo resonates now in all of the country because of you know the TV exposure that both of those sports get and the success that they're having. Um, every time somebody tweets out of, about a football commitment, or every time our football team plays on TV, or every every event that Penny covers where the media follows him around, the M Leap, Leaping Tiger is there, and so that creates a little bit of an avenue for us to get in baseball and. Uh, you know, these kids aren't coming on, aren't only coming to college to, to get a degree and to play college baseball. They're coming for the co- for the college experience, and part of that college experience is going to football and basketball games and, and enjoying what uh, what the school has to offer at that time. And at this time, you know, uh, what what a great time to to be a young man or be any student at the University of Memphis with the success that that the two major sports are going to have or are presently having. And uh, we do some dual recruiting now with football. And uh, we were involved in one of their commitments that they got recently that's going to be a two-sport guy uh, that, that has excelled in both sports. And, and we were highly involved in that process. And so we've worked very well with Mike, with Mike Norvell. And, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of our guys that we bring in uh, were high school football players too. Coach, let's talk a little bit. Let's jump from Memphis here. Let's talk about the paying the third assistant. I know a lot of – College coaches like yourself and I mean, basically everybody's been very vocal about this and the the scholarship basically stuff. Let's talk about that. How would you change that and how would you go about presenting that here in the coming future? Well, it's it, you know our game and when I say our game, I mean Division One college baseball has kind of been uh, kind of a stepchild of of how well, what the NCAA does to take care of their sports. Uh, any legislation that happens in our sport usually usually starts at the at the coaches level and goes through our coaching body, which is our coaching organization, which is the AAB, the ABC, the American Base, the ABCA, the American Baseball Coach Association. That's where it gained momentum. Uh, I worked for a guy named Coach Pope for a long time, and he was very vocal and adamant about uh, trying to get the NCAA to do more for college baseball. His, his beckoning cry was mainly the scholarships and how limited our scholarships are. 
versus how you know the size of our rosters, um, and now it it and now it seems to that the coaching third coaching assistant or the third paid assistant has gained some momentum. Um, we have to make some changes. There's no question that that you know a young man that graduates that wants to pursue coaching at the collegiate level um, really doesn't have an avenue right now to get into Division One coaching. Uh, so they have to go several different routes, and you know, and and count on maybe not making money to start their. You know, some guys that are, and they look around at their buddies that go into other fields, and they say, "Man, they they're they're out making money, and they're starting a family, they're buying their first house, that they're paying off their student loans, they're doing all this stuff, and I'm making three hundred fifty dollars a month as a graduate assistant at a NAI school or a D three school. Nothing wrong with those programs." But it makes it very difficult to get excited about going into the, our our field, um, uh, and I think you know one of the things that the that I think the body is going to circle back and do now is try to present the legis- present the proposal again in due time. Now they're they're talking about it sitting for a year or two, and and changing the wording of it so that administrators don't hear. Automatically, I got to fund another position because you know there's a high, high difference in in economic capabilities of Division One schools, and and you know the, what we see on TV and the the Power Five and the American Athletic Conference, uh, we are funded at a different rate than some lesser Division One programs, and I think uh, I think the message got a little bit misconstrued that everybody's going to have to pay a third assistant. Uh, there may be some some danger and some fear of creating a larger separation, um, but the separation is already there. I mean, there, there's still the difference in stadiums and the difference in salaries and the difference in travel budgets. And the di- there's still there's already separation in our 300 Division One baseball programs that are around the country. So uh, we have to we have to adjust it. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm, I'm our league and and myself included are. Uh, we're adamant that, I, that that we're missing the boat with giving, uh, one, with giving providing student athletic experience to be better. What happens in the summer now is to cover the, the enormous amount of tournaments and recruiting that we have to do to be competitive. My assistant coaches and myself are gone all the time during the summer. I've got 14 young men here every day working out, going to school, and I'm trying to mold an impact right now. And, uh, and and so one of us needs to be here to, you know, to spend time with those guys. Um, the uh, uh, what the best thing you can do when you look at a mom and dad and you talk about their son coming to school to play for you is, I'm committed to keeping my staff or my coaches around that young man while he's here, not worried about the next recruiting class. Adding a person to yeah. get on the road and recruit will help that experience for the current student athlete. Coach, you mentioned a little bit about travel ball. I know the Michigan coach came out and said, you know, hey, our team looks like the United States of America. We don't just go after travel ball teams. How do you think travel ball is taking effect on college baseball? Is it helping or is it taking away or is it just kind of it's there? Kinda? Well, it's there. Um, what's happened in the last five or six years is you know, when, when it first started getting popular seven, eight, nine years ago, uh, it they were – elite collection of players. The, the elite players in an area congregated to a team or to two teams. Now, what, what's happened is the high volume of teams that have, that have sprung up because 
you know, everybody doesn't get to play short and everybody doesn't get to bat in a three hole and everybody. So more teams have yeah. popped up. The wealth and the talent has spread out. The number of tournaments, it's, it's almost too much. It's almost, uh, A, I think guys are playing a little bit too much. Yeah, but B, it's it, it spread out what we do as a coaching staff now to go see the elite players play. Uh, they were condensed. The, the purpose of travel ball to beginning was very good. Now there's just there's there's too you know there's there's a wide range of too many teams. Um, once upon a time, you know, high school coaches could keep their players together part of the summer before the basketball coach needed a couple weeks and before they started football. And, and what I liked at that time is you could get out. When our season was done, you could get out and go see some of these high school teams play together under their high school coach, get some evaluation done for the future. Now, you know, to watch a – it's a shame, but to watch guys that are playing in the Memphis area, we're driving to Atlanta uh, to watch them every week. We're, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, 15 years ago, I could watch those guys at Carnival in Houston and Germantown and – and now they're they're not playing there. They're they're in Atlanta. They're in Birmingham. They're in St. Louis. They're in Dallas. So uh, so it's it's now it's has it created more opportunities for guys? It's created opportunities. Uh, more there's probably more watered down teams. More you know you may go to a team with 18 guys to see one player, and 10 years ago go go to a team of 18 guys and see 10 guys that you felt like could play at this level. And yeah. uh, those days are gone now. So. Um, that's that's one thing that's happened, and then we've shut out the inner city kid because of finances and and what it takes. You know, when I started this thing 35 years ago, you recruited Legion baseball in the summer, and uh, Legion ball it, it cost 25 dollars to play, and and you tried out for the Legion team. You had Legion tryouts. Coaches went and watched the tryouts. We would recruit guys that wouldn't even make the Legion team. You know, in certain places, like hey, he's a good player. Uh, they're, they're picking 18 guys for this Legion team, and it's some of the guys that didn't make that would still get seen. And then that Legion team would play 18 games in the summer before their tournament, and then they play their tournament and move on. So you had to really focus and bear down. The neat thing is every game that mattered, you had to win. And, and winning was – you got to see guys in environments where it was still very important to win, and, and we've lost a little bit of that with travel ball. Coach, I mentioned to you before we came on here about Sandlot 901, and you seem interested because yeah. it kind of offered you an opportunity to be here in Memphis and be, you know, see these guys locally and see Absolutely. the kid at East High School in Carville, like you were talking about. Kind of talk about that alternative and, you know, how it's going to be beneficial you know, for you. And the neat thing about that is you see a high volume of kids that are phenomenal athletes that have not received the private lessons and the training growing up that some other kids have. Uh, but the athletic skill set says this guy should be able to play our game. Can we can we take the athlete and enhance or or give a fast dose of instruction to to create proper technique and delivery and swing and knowledge of the game with the with the uh, you know in a, you know kind of like what you talked about with Michigan. We're taking an inner city kid that hasn't received all that training but has the athleticism. Can you crash course the the training and, and create a guy that's, you know, that looked like pro attractive type players. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very encouraged, you know, obviously in a big, uh, big city, I think it's something that needs to be done. And, uh, uh, I'm, you know, I'm committed to try to get over and see some of that now. And, and that's a neat idea. 
you know, and also good friends with Kerry Cobb, and I'll mention Kerry, who played football at Memphis, who has been relentless in getting baseball started in the inner city at, in Memphis, and uh, we've helped, you know, provide some equipment and do some stuff. And now, and it's six or seven years into that thing, he's got his first group of guys. He's had a couple of guys actually get recruited by some NAI schools and have a chance to go play college baseball now. It would have never happened for that kid if Kerry hadn't come along and helped that. So I, I, I applaud the efforts of, of what you guys are doing. We appreciate it, Coach. These are the last two questions for you. There was an article out there a couple, about a month ago talking about your faith, and I'm also a man of faith as well. And talk about how your faith is so important to you and how do you use that in your everyday you know, everyday life, basically, and how do you teach these guys how to live, basically? Well, I, I, you know, I grew up in a phenomenal house, phenomenal home, with very supportive, loving mom and dad, you know, we're all, um, it was just, it was, we were in church, uh, they were involved in our sports, you know, just, uh, everybody doesn't have that, everybody's not blessed like that, and the, and the more years go on, understand that, that uh, one of the things that when I got into coaching, um, I was fortunate to be under some men as assistant coaches that that lived their life and coached their teams identical. And and a lot of coaches and a lot of guys getting into coaching, that's what I tell them. We've got a couple of a couple of our graduates now that are pursuing coaching and going into that. And they said, Coach, give me some advice. And I said, be be yourself when you're coaching. Be yourself. What don't you can't separate and be two different people. Um, my faith is very important to me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and it was it was kind of ingrained into me. And, and uh, you know what? We've got the attention of these kids in the four-year or two-year window that we have. If it's a junior college guy, obviously two years. But in the high school guy, three or four years. Uh, what kind of impact can you make? Uh, baseball is going to end some someday for them. You know, they've all heard that. Baseball is going to end. Get your education. Baseball is going to end, you know, and I take that a little bit further. It's like baseball is going to end, but the time that I have them here, can I do some things that are going to impact what they are and who they are 10 years from now? And uh, I've got their attention because they all want to play baseball at a very high level. We have a coaching staff that has all, you know, the, the unique thing about our coaching staff with, with me and Coach Mack and Coach Green, we've all been to Omaha on a team in a dugout. Yeah. And, and uh that's attractive. Uh, all three of us have been involved in professional baseball. Coach Green played. I coached at the pro level. Coach Max scouted at the pro level. That's attractive to them. Uh, that's all. That's all things that grab their attention. While we have their attention, can I impact you? And when you assemble 35 guys in a locker room, you're going to have a wide range of. Some have never heard the word. Some uh, grew up in church their whole life. Some were going to go into ministry when they finish. And, and some have been questioning it their whole life. I understand that. So I'm not going to beat them over the head with the Bible, but I'm going to present a plan that says, this has been important in, in my life. This has made a lot of differences in where I am today, but it's going to make a difference in where I am 10 years from now. There's no question. And it's always that 10-year increment. And, and, you know, we talked about making decisions in academic, you know, academic decisions and baseball decisions and weightlifting decisions and, uh, every kind of decision that it's going to impact where you are 10 years from now. You're either going to be in prison because of the decision you make, or you're going to be the head of a household and you're going to have a family. Um, they're all, and, and this, I was fortunate to work under some Christian coaches that did not separate their faith 
and their team. Um, uh, but I did it in a loving way, not in a threatful way or yeah. care. You know, they did it in a caring yeah. way. Uh, Brian Shoup was one. I spent eight years with Brian in Birmingham Southern, and, and uh, he's a tremendous man of God and actually grew a lot as a Christian under Brian. We had our first child. My oldest son was born when I was coaching with Brian. Um, he's the head coach at UAB now, and uh, uh, he had, it's kind of an intertwining thing, but he had worked eight years on Coach Polk's staff. I, when I, after eight years of Birmingham Southern, went to Kentucky, worked under Keith Madison, who is now in the missions field with a, yeah. a group called Score International. Brian and Keith Madison both worked under Coach Polk at Mississippi State. Uh, I leave Kentucky, go to Georgia when Coach Polk came out of retirement. He asked me to come be his pitching coach there and then went back to Mississippi State with him and that led me to coming to Memphis. So. Um, and, and what those guys did, they're phenomenal baseball people, but, but they were phenomenal people. And, and uh, I saw the impact that that had on the kids. And I knew when those guys left after four years, they, they gained a lot more than just baseball. Yeah. Coach, just the last question for you. Heading into 2020, you know, Tigers made the postseason last season. What are the expectations and what do you tell your guys to push even past the AAC tournament to get into the big dance and – See you what know, happens. It, it, it's got to have uh, those teams that get to regionals, and I've, we've coached in regionals, and they have uh, they don't have uh, a whole roster full of guys that have career years. They have a few that have career years, but they have a, a majority of those guys that are playing, that are getting the innings on the mound, have the kind of years and the kind of season that we envisioned them to have when we recruited them. Uh, so everybody doesn't have to be a hunter good. Uh, you know, hunter is obviously is portraying what we all saw in recruiting. You know, we sit down and recruit a guy, and we go, man, he's going to be a really, really good hitter. Uh, and then you look three years later, and, and for some of the guys, it's unfolded like that, and for some of the guys, it hasn't. Where's the difference? Uh, one of the things I'm doing with these 14 kids we have here now, going through the workouts and taking a class and all that stuff, is we're going through some mental game training now. And my, my premise of the whole thing is it's not your swing, it's not your delivery, it's not your, your bat speed or how hard you throw or how good your slider is. Everybody's got that. You yeah. wouldn't be here. It's what the muscle between your ears is, is capable of handling. And, and can we train the muscle of your mind to go, I'm going to be who I should be. And that's the key is, is enough guys to be who they should be. Um, Obviously, we've got some holes to fill. That, that senior class, you know, two, two of the weekend rotation guys are gone. A couple of the main guys in the bullpen were gone. Uh, but it's that next wave of did we do enough with some of these freshmen and sophomores now to step in to those roles. And uh, I'm excited. A, a lot of newness sometimes is very good. Uh, last year we returned a lot of experience. Uh, but, we've, we've, you know, obviously the kids are talented or they wouldn't be here. Uh, but there's a ton of new opportunities waiting for guys, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Coach Rock, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Look forward to next year. I think yeah. I think next year is going to be a fun year. It'll be a fun year. It's you know going to be a lot all of newness. You're going to see yeah. a lot of new names in Tiger baseball. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know the the fans and everybody's pretty excited. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
I want to close this podcast by telling Coach Rock, thank you again for coming on the podcast today. I've been Mitch Davis, your host. You can find me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. You can also find Sandlot 901 at Sandlot 901 all over social media. All you got to do is just type in Sandlot 901. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and we're going to be on Instagram by Wednesday. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this podcast. You've been listening to The Mitch Davis Show.